Welcome to Spring Ridge Church Podcast. We hope that you will be blessed by the podcast today. If you would like to find out more information about our church, our website's www.springridgechurch.com. You can send an email to me, the pastor, Scott Phillips, at pastor at springridgechurch.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Prayer requests, questions, desire for a Bible study, or you would like some information how to attend our church or another church of like precious faith. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 11 and beginning with verse 1. Now faith. Say that with me. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear Amen and uh, for a a title today I'm just going to call it Faith Spectacles or Spectacles Lord Jesus, I pray that you, O oh God, would take this, this moment, God, Lord Jesus, that you, O oh God, would impart into our lives a fresh measure of faith. Restore unto us the joy of our salvation. And everybody said in Jesus' name, you can be seated. Amen. I felt two very strong impulses today as I pondered what I would preach. And it was these two things, restoration and faith. Faith and restoration. I watched the other day where someone who creates a lot of content and what they do is they take old watches that no longer work and they take them apart all the way down to the smallest screw. I watched, there's a World War II watch that was given to the military uh, soldiers during World War II. And uh, this, this watch, the, 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 the front bezel was cracked the uh, uh, the thing you wind it up with, uh, the crown was rusted solid, and uh, the man took off the back, and even though the front of it had been penetrated by water and mud, when he popped the back of it off, it looked pristine. And I found it kind of interesting that even though the surface, the visible 
looked totally destroyed. When they popped the back off of it, it looked brand new. And so they began to uh, take the little screws off and all the way down till they got it to where he actually held up these little screws that almost are almost microscopic. He's having to use this big uh, magnifying glass to work on it. And, and over a period of time, he cleaned every screw. He, he the, Everything that could be renewed, he, he put uh, the various pieces in washes and chemical baths and, and he uh, uh, used fine tools and, and washed away and ground away and sanded away and just, just and finally even put a new unbroken uh, bezel on the top and put a new uh, 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 wristband on it. And I would say that when he got through with it, it looked better than when it was brand new given to that soldier 70 years ago. You know, when a watch stops working... It doesn't keep time. Time, if in that particular situation, it is frozen in place. And it's not able to track, it's not able to work, it is of no value to anyone because the purpose in which it was created to keep time, it has lost its ability to do what it was created to do. And I was reminded as I, I, I saw that, I was reminded where it's written in the psalm, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Somebody say joy. If there is one characteristic and virtue that we must fully, uh, it, it's easy for us to not fully appreciate, is salvation is supposed to give us joy. Amen. Salvation is supposed to give us joy. Now I know we live in a culture that is far removed from the concept of what joy is. People oftentimes they confuse happiness for joy. But happiness doesn't mean you have joy and joy doesn't mean you have happiness because happiness, if you go to the root meaning happiness is based on what is happening and if things that you do not enjoy are not happening then you're not going to be happy because happiness is about what's happening now that's a little redundant but I would say to you that joy you can have happiness with joy but joy isn't happiness right joy is a sense of of peace, a sense of awareness, a sense of something that's greater than what is happening. You can have joy when everything that's happening around you is against you. You can have joy when you have lost your job. You can have joy when, when things are going wrong. You can have joy when it seems like everything that can go wrong goes wrong. And in that lowest of points in your life, you can still have 
joy because joy is not uh, contingent upon what is happening. Joy is something that I have. I have joy even if I may not be happy. But joy can give me a reason to be happy because I see something beyond the momentary reality. Joy is a product of faith. The joy of our salvation. Joy is a product of the fact we can see beyond the moment. I looked up this word far-sighted. I am far-sighted. Far-sightedness, also known as long-sightedness, hypermetropia or hyperopia, is a condition of the eye where distant objects are seen clearly, but near objects appear blurred. Amen. Any, how many of you have far-sightedness? And the near-sightedness is a common vision condition in which you can see objects near to you clearly, but objects further away are blurry. How many of you have near-sightedness? I have both of them. Those of you that have both far-sightedness and near-sightedness, you need bifocals. Anybody need bifocals? I have... I need bifocals. And, and, and someone, some bright person uh, centuries ago discovered that they could take some uh, a glass that had a particular uh, magnification and, and wrap it in, in wire and hang it over your ears and, and they called them spectacles. And, and spectacles were... They are defined both by the frame that holds the glass and the glass that's held in the frames. Now, glasses are a fashion statement for some, and people wear glasses that have no prescription in the glass. Anybody ever had any of those? Sunglasses are oftentimes, they have a purpose, but it's not for the near or far sightedness but these spectacles spectacles and I would say to you that the verse that I read to you now faith is the substance of things hoped for hope is maybe one of the most intrinsically uh, it's a virtue that is such a blessing if it is centered around a re a reality. Some people hope for stuff ain't never going to happen. They buy lottery tickets. And unless you're one out of those hundred million, you buy enough lottery tickets, you're never going to break even. I, I know a number of years ago, before the lottery made it to Mississippi, every time I'd go through Louisiana, stop at a gas station, there'd be lines of people uh, lined up with their Friday paycheck ready to, to buy Dozens, hundreds, I don't know. I remember one time I saw a man, I was standing behind him, and he bought $100. Now, I could tell this wasn't just, you know, he didn't have a whole lot of money. $100 worth of lottery tickets. 
And I think he won 20. He was pretty excited about winning 20. And when he stepped away, you know, I felt a little forward. I said, can I ask you a question? Uh, have you, do you think you're, you're ahead? He said, no, but I believe one day I will be. Now, that's a hope that may not be realistic, right? The Bible says, hope deferred maketh the heart sick. I'm not speaking of unrealistic expectations, but I'm speaking of a hope that is a product of our faith. Faith gives us hope. Faith gives us the ability to hope. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance. You can know what my hope is based on what my faith does. You can know what my faith is based on what my, my you can know what my hope is based on what my faith does. So if, if I truly have hope of a particular thing, what I do is the substance of what I hope for. Noah, you keep reading in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, you find Noah, by faith, moved with fear and built a boat. Why did his faith build a boat? Because his hope, his perception of things to come, was there's a rain coming. So his faith was the visible manifestation of what his hope, what his perception of the future held. His hope said, I, I better get to work. <laughs> and if you read what the Lord told him to do and, and understand the, the spectacle that his spectacles made possible, he... He did an, an amazing task with his sons. I have no doubt he hired help. Amen. I feel like if Noah was anything like me, he hired help. <laughs> he had somebody cutting those trees, those gopher wood trees. He had somebody down in the slime pits and pulling up the tar. I, between his, him and his sons and whoever else may have been involved in the project, they, 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 for over a hundred years... Their faith was busy building a boat. We have heard it said, and we rejoice in the scripture, for we are saved by grace through faith. Grace through faith. We're saved by grace. How many of you believe that? Grace is how we are saved. We can't be saved without grace. We're saved by grace through faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The first time you find the word grace in the Bible is when the Lord decided that the, the condition of mankind was so bad, he regretted he ever made man. And he said, I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to wipe it out. Uh, you just do a little bit of study. They were doing things. I don't even know if you could do worse than they are today. But they were doing things as bad as they're doing today. The Bible says the earth was filled with violence and the hearts of men were set on evil. They, it was, it was, it was like it, you can see it is today. And the Bible says the Lord repented that he ever made man. I find it to be a mind boggling thing to think that God could have regrets. That God could want to not do something. Because God knows everything. He's omniscient. 
He knows from the end from the beginning. And even in that omniscience, God had a, had a regret. I would say that teaches me something about God. Though God knows the end from the beginning, I believe he chooses to work with us in time and he deals with us in the moment because he hopes for us something greater than we can do by ourselves. It is quite a spectacle. My, my faith is the substance of things hoped for. We're saved by grace through faith. Noah was the first time grace is mentioned in the Bible. And the Bible says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of God. So grace, the first recipient of the word that is stated in the scripture specifically, Noah found grace in the eyes of God. And though the Lord had said, I am going to destroy all flesh from the earth, this one man God saw him and said, he's not like the rest. This is different from that. Have you seen those things? This is the games kids play. What is different from this? You've seen those. You know, there'll be five things and one thing's different from all the rest. Well, out of all the thousands, I don't know how many people lived during Noah's day, but of all the other men of that day, Noah was different from all the rest. And Noah found grace in the eyes of God. So what did Noah, what did Noah's faith look like? For Noah, who found grace, for Noah faith, the substance of Noah's faith built a boat. And I know we live in a day, many people believe that faith is just some idea that they believe in God. And you never see the substance of their faith. Y'all know what I'm saying. I'm the choir today. It's not in my notes, but I, I want to applaud you today that I, if, I, if a person was going to judge what you have hope for, they are going to know what you have for, hope for by what your faith is showing them. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And the Bible tells us that, that, that faith is the way that we participate in the grace of God. And when I consider the prophets, I am amazed to consider the circumstances that birth the writings that we observe as inspired and God breathed. I consider the words of Isaiah and its beautiful picture of Christ beyond the current backsliding of Judah. Beyond the, 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 the heresy of Israel, uh, the Bible shows a prophet could see beyond the moment. He had spectacles to help him see beyond what was in front of him. We read in the book of Joel, Joel, uh, in the first two chapters that you read this prophetic book, he outlines through the Spirit of God of the current circumstances that Judah was in. He decries the backsliding. He decries the idolatry. He decries the, 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 all of the unspeakable things that these that were partakers in the promise, the, the, the covenant 
people of God that had so uh, forsaken the God of their fathers. And, 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 and uh, Joel begins to just uh, highlight and point out all of the failures and all of the backsliding. But as he continues to prophesy, I'm so glad he didn't stop. As he continues to prophesy, amen, he prophesied all of chapter 1, and he prophesies chapter 2 all the way to verse 27. And Joel chapter 2 and verse 27, this is what the Lord said, and you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed. Verse 28, and it came to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Joel, his faith could see the future. He could see beyond a year ahead. He could see beyond five years ahead. He could see beyond a decade or two. But hundreds of years, while all of Israel was backsliding, here was a praying, prophesied prophet, and he foretold something that would be fulfilled. In Acts chapter 2, Peter pointed out, you remember Joel, he's dead somewhere, but his words that are written in the book, they are speaking to us today they're living today this is that this is the substance this is the substance of the hope in which Joel told us about amen and I have lived in my life to live in the hope of a previous generation's faith I've lived in the hope of a previous generation's faith because my faith is the visible of what I hope for. Previous generations have hoped for what we're living in. Hebrews 11 tells us, uh, this speaks of, it talks about there were some that were sown asunder. Some, uh, 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 were, 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 uh, experienced all types of tribulation. And up until that point, the Bible says, and these all died in faith. Having not received the promise, what they were praying for didn't happen in their life. What they were believing for, they did not see with their eyes, but they died believing that there was a better promise coming. And the writer of Hebrews said that they died in faith and we're living in the hope their faith built. Come on, somebody. That some of you today are sitting here today because there was a grandmother that prayed that you would be saved. There might have been no proof that you could ever be saved, but they had faith for it and they prayed, Oh God, save my daughter, save my grandchildren. They've, their people have been praying for you before you were even born, but here you are today living in the hope somebody else had faith enough to pray about. Amen. They, they saw you a great way off. Amen. The Bible says, and you who were dead in trespasses and sin, uh, Jesus died for you before you were even here. 
The scripture lets us know that even before we were in our mother's womb, the Lord knew who we were. And the Lord shed his blood so that we could be saved. We're living in a hope that Jesus had for us. Amen. Through the, the spectacles of faith. Amen. There have been prophets that, that believed that there was going to be a generation that would serve God in the last days. There were prophets that prophesied that there would be people in the last days that would receive the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we're living in the hope their faith built. Amen. 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 There's a, there's a story. Jesus is passing through Samaria. It was the Jews' tradition, the Jews' habit, they didn't go near Samaria. The Jews had great bitterness toward the Samaritans. The reason why is the Samaritans were a, 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 a mixed race of Syrians and Jews. And during a time when the Syrians were ruling the Jews, they married Jewish people. And the offspring of these Syrians marrying Jews were the Samaritans. And the Samaritans participated in the slavery of the Jews. They would sell them and they ruled over them. And there were great atrocities done by the Samaritans to the Jews. And the angst, the, the hatred the Jews had to the Samaritans was strong. And they viewed them as less than them because they, they, didn't, they didn't worship the true God. Their, their religion was a mixture between Judaism and the various strains of the Syrian faith. And so they, they didn't even know what they were worshiping. Jesus said, you, you worship what you know not what. Uh, salvation is of the Jews, Jesus said. But rather than going all the way around Samaria, Jesus went into Samaria. He did not allow the tradition of, 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 uh, of avoidance to be his mission. He went into Samaria, and when he got to Samaria, he sat by a well, and he waited for the outcast of the outcast. Not just a Samaritan, but he waited for a Samaritan that was rejected by the Samaritans. She was a woman that had been married four times, shacking up with another man she wasn't married to. And Jesus went all the way, broke all these traditions, threw off all these uh, uh, expectations, and he had a long conversation, a more meaningful conversation with her than maybe anybody else except maybe uh, Nicodemus that is written in the Scripture. He has this long dialogue that's written in Scripture. Jesus had a lot of conversation we don't know. But there's this long conversation he has with her. Long story short, she becomes a great soul winner. She goes and tells all of Samaria, you need to come see this man who told me everything about me. And I believe it was the product of this evangelism of the Samaritan woman Jesus participated in that we read in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 was... <laughs> They were living in the hope that, that Jesus had when he went to Samaria. Jesus went to Samaria because he hoped that Samaria would be saved. Philip went down and he got to live in the hope of Jesus' faith sowed into that Samaritan woman. 
Amen. I, I know that we are living today in the hope of a previous generation's faith. They had faith for you, Hannah. I don't know how many generations go back of praying people, but you're living for God today because somebody prayed for you, Lord. Maybe it's your grandma, maybe it's your great-grandmother, but somebody said, oh God, I want my children's children to serve you, Lord. I want my children's children to be in covenant with you. And here you are today on Sunday morning. Uh, decades have passed, but you're living in their hope. Come on, somebody. Amen. We might not have a house full, but I feel the Holy Ghost here today. And I want to encourage you today. We are living in the hope of a previous generation's faith. But I want to encourage you today that in your faith, you're building a house of hope somebody else is going to live in one day. You are witnessing to people in faith, and one day they're going to live in the hope of your witnessing one day. Amen. You are praying and praying for your children and praying for your neighbors. You're doing that. And faith and one day they're going to live in the house that hope built because we have must understand we must arm ourselves with the spectacles of faith amen while we look not at the things which are seen people are cussing and uh, uh, adultery and, and fornication and homosexuality and our eyes see it and our hearts grieve and all kinds of heartbreak comes to us But amen can I tell you don't look at things that are obvious because faith sees things in a way we can't see them with our own eyes. Faith can see. Woo! Hallelujah! Oh, God, help me. Oh, hallelujah! Oh, God, how is it ever going to get better? Oh, woo! Thank you. Amen. I'm telling you that that's what prayer does. That's what worship does. That's what faithfulness does. Is we put ourselves in a position to see things that you can't see with your own ability to see. But you see it. 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 I have hope. You see it. I have hope. You see it. I have hope. And what does it do? Your faith. Your faith prays for what you have hope in. Your faith seeks for what you have hope in. Your faith is the, the actual uh, uh, habits. Uh, your faith is your actual devotion. Your faith is your giving. Your faith is your sacrifice. Your faith is your daily devotion. Why do you do it? Do you just go through the motions? Sometimes we do. But thank God for motion. Thank God for habits. Thank God for ritual because even though the, it's not as great as it could be, but habits and rituals help us to make it through the dry times because it won't always be dry. It won't always be hard. But keep grinding. Keep pushing. Keep praying. Keep doing well because there is a flow coming. Be not weary in well-doing. Because I am building a house of hope that I hope to live in one day. Amen. Amen. I got Brother BJ up here to read. Amen. I got, amen. I got, I got feel it in my heart today. Amen. The First Corinthians chapter 13. I have the whole chapter here, but I won't read the whole thing. I don't want to be here all day. I do right now, but hallelujah. 
Can we love the Lord together, Jesus? Lord, I love you today. Hallelujah. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Oh God, I thank you for the faith I have. I see there's a better day coming. I see salvation coming. I see revival coming. I see harvest coming. I see the the prodigal son coming home. Amen. I may have to sit on the porch and pray in a rocking chair, but Lord, I still believe I'm looking down the dusty road and I'm praying for the prodigal to come home in the name of Jesus. I'm fattening up the calf Lord God I've got a new set of clothes God we've got brand new shoes for them and we're waiting for an awakening to come in the pig pen Amen 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 Thank you Jesus 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 12 read that for me 12 and 13 brother BJ for now we see through a glass darkly but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Charity. Go back to verse 12 and read that again. For now we see through a glass darkly. Now we see through a glass darkly. If you read the prophetic books of the Bible they are often in an allegorical form. That there are dragons and lions, there are beasts and winged creatures, there are measurements and buildings, and you, you see all this stuff and you get through reading and you're like, I, I don't really understand what that means. And sometimes in prayer, the, the Lord will move upon you. He may give you a few words. He, he may give you a vision or a dream. Uh, I know that I was reminded the other day, uh, Brother Ryan and Brother BJ, that one of them had a dream, and the other one said they were just praying about the area. Brother BJ saw himself uh, on a tractor, right? We don't know what that stuff means. We think we can kind of discern what it means. But what it, what it, the Bible says that we see through a glass darkly. We know in part. We prophesy in part. There are things about living for God. He doesn't give us this, this GPS view of Google Earth of where all the objects are. He doesn't give us a recipe that if you do this, this, and this, and it'll make a chocolate cake. Uh, much of what God does, it, it's in this, uh, this, this glass darkly. We, we look through tinted, uh, stained glass and, and, and you can see forms and you can see shadows and there's something inside your heart that says, I don't really know what this means, but something inside of me says, hey, God's got all of this in control and God's going to work this out and God's touching our children. God's bringing a revival to our city. I see through a glass darkly and I don't know what, what day or time or address it's going to be, but I see I see something. My hope is rejoicing and my face says hallelujah. Amen. And for now we see through a glass darkly. But there is coming a day. But then face to face. Now I know in part. But then shall I know 
even as also I am known. What does that mean? I'm not really sure. (laughs) You know, one of the greatest revelations that you can ever have is to be able to say in relation to the kingdom of God and the way God works, when you can just say, I don't know, and it doesn't bother you too much. Because people got all kinds of questions, right? The Bible doesn't, in many things, doesn't give us a clear explanation of the, of the chemical parts of water. Doesn't give us a, a, a chemical breakdown of oxygen. Doesn't tell us all the kinds of trees. He just says, hey, if it's there, I made it. Right? Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. Turn it to my last page. There's hope. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Hebrews 11 and I know we've read it. I encourage you to, to, to read Hebrews 11 with this idea. These were all doing what they did in faith. By, by faith, Enoch walked with God and was not. By faith, Abel offered a more acceptable sacrifice. By faith, Abraham, he offered Isaac as a sacrifice. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. If you read Hebrews 11, these all did this in faith. And what they were doing in faith, they were doing it because they had hope for something else. I'm doing this because I have hope for this. But the Bible tells us that we live in the place they hope for. When we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, when we have been born again of the water and the Spirit, we are living in something that they they prophesied about, but they never had it. They prayed about, but they could never receive it. The Bible says John the Baptist was greatest of all that were ever born by a woman. The greatest of all those was John the Baptist. But he said the least in the kingdom is greater than John. What does that mean? When you've been born again, no matter how great John was in the old covenant, when you've been born again, you have access to something that's greater than he that had the greatest access then. Everybody say faith. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Because we have faith. Because we believe. Because we have been given a better promise. This is the instructions that the writer of Hebrews gives us all. Go ahead brother BJ read for me. Wherefore seeing we are also, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Amen. Let's just stop there. Seeing these examples in in Hebrews 11, from from Abel to Moses to Abraham, to, to all of these that are named in the roll call, in the hall of fame of faith, these are as it were in the bleachers or the stands, witnesses witnesses to us of what can be done by faith 
when we recognize that they did these things by faith, they are a great cloud of testimonies that said, if I can do this and I didn't have the Holy Ghost, if I could do this and I hadn't been born again, This is how you're going to be successful in becoming what God wants you to do. Let us lay aside every, what's it say? Every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. What does that mean? There are some things that are not a sin, but they are a hindrance. You know, I hear people say, well, is it heaven or hell? For some people it might be. Amen? There are some things the Lord will ask of you He may not ask of anybody else. But because you're in a race and you mean to win it, you, your heart will say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go. I'm willing to give up whatever you want me to give up. It may not be a sin, but it is a distraction. It is a source of doubt. It's a source of something that, that, that offends my conscience. If that's what the Holy Ghost is saying to you, everybody say, lay it aside. Lay it aside. Lay, it aside. lay aside every weight. And the sin, and the sin, which does so easily beset us. Go ahead and read. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Everybody say joy. Amen. Jesus is... The perfect example of faith. He endured such incredible difficulty. Words do not describe it. And anything I might suffer in my faith has no comparison to what Jesus did. And the Bible says He did all of that. He endured all of that. He suffered all of that for the joy that was set before Him. Can I tell you today, the greatest thing we can pray for is that the Lord would renew our faith. And the Lord would motivate our hearts and our minds that when we look at stuff around us that discourages us, that we would know, I think I need to go pray about it. Stand with me and say, I need to go pray about it. I need to go pray about it. Amen. In the, in the journey of prayer, you're going to pray. Y'all don't have to come up here and play. Y'all do a great job. But we're just going to pray about it here in a little bit. I know that as the prophets demonstrate much of the time we spend in prayer, we are praying about our current circumstances. We may be bemoaning the, the tragedy of, of, of the backsliding. And, and, and we may just be trying to labor our way in prayer. But let me encourage you, amen, don't stop praying until you see the hope. Don't stop praying until you see the burden lift. Don't stop praying until the Lord puts down on your eyes the ability to see something that is not like it is right now. 
something that helps you believe that there is coming a salvation to the soul. There is coming a deliverance to this person. There is coming an awakening to this family. Don't stop praying when you're just praying about the current troubles. Keep praying till faith steps in and you see hope, amen, that comes from God. That God gives you a heavenly vision of what is possible when we pray and we allow our faith to be fueled by the hope that God has put in our soul. Amen. Can we put our hands together and praise the Lord? Hallelujah. Amen. I know all of you in different ways have been used by God. Amen. Some of you at some point in your past, you may have been used in the gift of tongues or you may have been used in the gift of interpretation. You may have been used in the gift of prophecy. Amen. You may have felt the Lord lead you to pray with someone. And I will just relate something that I have found to be true for me. Amen. <clears throat> if I have been given a prophetic word, the Lord does not give me a book. The Lord usually will give me a phrase. Even when I have given out tongues and, and interpretation, the Lord doesn't give me the whole utterance. It starts with a few words. <laughs> and usually it don't seem like enough. But when you will step out in faith according to your faith and obey God in the working of the Spirit. Amen. It, it, it might be step by step and word by word and act by act. But if you will allow the Spirit of God to move you outside and take those first steps, speak those first few words, there is a work of God that God wants to bring about through you to plant faith, to plant hope, and to do a work in someone else's life. But you've got to recognize the gifts of the Spirit, you have them inside of you. Amen. There is something, there is a manifestation. Amen. Somebody needs to hear this. There is a manifestation of the Spirit that God wants to flow through your life. It may come through in a card you send somebody. It may come through in a phone call you make. It may come through something that may be like nothing before. But I'm telling you, if you will desire spiritual gifts, if you will desire desire to be used by God. It is in the dimension, amen. The Bible says we know in part and we prophesy in part. But what if we don't do our part? What if we're not looking through the glass darkly? And what I, I really feel in this moment is to encourage you. Lord God, I desire to be used by God. I desire the gift of the Spirit that you've put in my life. I may not even know what it is, but Lord, I desire the best gifts. Lord, I desire to prophesy. Amen. Lord, I desire to lay hands on the sick and to see them recover, Lord. I desire it, Lord. I desire it, Lord. I pray for it. Can we do that right now? Lord, use me, oh God. God, I pray. I want to yield myself. I want to be obedient to the impulse, the leading, the guiding of your spirit. Amen. As many as are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. 